Hey y'all, two quick things to tell you before we jump in this week. First of all, we had a little issue with my mic. We're not sure what happened, and I do in fact sound wonky in some places, but we felt that this was a really important message to share, and we hope you'll stick with it, even though it's not the exact quality that we hoped for. We'll be talking about body image, which includes some conversations about disordered eating and excessive exercise. If that's something that's upsetting to you, feel free to skip this episode and we'll see you next week. Thanks for your continued support and enjoy the podcast. Tell me a joke. All right, hold on. Are you ready? No, honestly. What did the custodian say when he jumped out of the closet? Is this a gay joke? No. I feel like it could be. <laughs> it could be, but I'm I think this could be also a straight custodian. Oh, that's fair. Um I have no idea what did he say. <laughs> <laughs> Supplies. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> in the worst way possible yes and the fact that you were like giggling just beforehand i knew it was gonna be bad like i knew it was gonna be like one of the worst jokes i'd ever heard in my life <laughs> all right okay oh, do you want goodness. the last one yeah give me one more okay What's the difference between a piano and a fish? (laughs) (laughs) I have no idea. You can't tune a piano, but you can tune a fish. (laughs) Like tune a fish. But you can tune a piano. (laughs) Oh, sorry, I said it wrong. You, You can tune a piano. But you can't do the fish. Oops. <laughs> I was so confused. I was like, actually, that's exactly what you do to a piano. Actually, <laughs> that's what you must do for the piano to work. Hi, I'm Lexi. And I'm Lane. And this is My Therapist Told Me, the podcast where we unpack our lives and encourage you to do the same. Hey, Lane. Hey, Lexi. How's it going? It's good. It's good. But naturally, as we head into the winter and the sun is starting to set earlier and earlier, it's kind of sad, if I'm being honest getting ready for the long night are you preparing for hibernation i am indeed how do you prepare for hibernation lots of soup soup good soup (laughs) yeah (laughs) and yeah I, i start setting my so the alexas in our apartment turn on our lights on and off it just went off and we have them Scary. set on timers. Always listening. For real. Um, but we have them set on timers so that way, 
you know, when it gets dark outside, it just naturally is light in our apartment. And in this case, we just reset them. I like, we're slowly like setting them back earlier yeah. and earlier That's on so the sad. automatic timer. I know. I hate I the dark. I love long nights. Same. I said long nights. I meant long days. Y'all know what I mean. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what are we getting into? This week, we're doing a follow-up episode to what we did last week. Uh, So last week, we talked a lot about body image and how we perceive our physical self and, you know, all of the things that are tied into that, what we think, how we feel, what we do in response um, to our body image. But this week, we're going to take it just a step further and talk about body dysmorphia, which is distinguishable from just body image satisfaction. Lex, can you tell me what you know about body dysmorphia? Sure. So from my understanding, body dysmorphia is a fairly negative view of body image. And it goes a little bit further to the point where people may look in the mirror and see something about themselves that is not necessarily there. So for example, they are harsher on themselves than maybe someone else or even the mirror truly is. Yeah, exactly. So body dysmorphia, um, as you mentioned, it takes it a step further past that body image uh, dissatisfaction. And it's actually like this overwhelming sense of shame or embarrassment about a part or parts of your body. So, you know, when you look in the mirror, rather than just, you know, being um, dissatisfied with how you look, you actually see a completely like warped image of yourself. Um, So it's not actually there body dysmorphia as well um, is actually classified as a a mental disorder like in the psychiatrist book as an anxiety disorder and more specifically a subset of OCD or obsessive compulsive disorder. Wow that's so interesting. Yeah so that's typically you know you see like body image dissatisfaction is typically a subset of general like depression um, or anxiety or can lead to that. Whereas body dysmorphia is actually classified mental illness. Yeah, gotcha. Thinking about body dysmorphia and how we distinguish it from body image dissatisfaction, I want you to travel with me for a second, Lexi. Oh, I'm so excited. You remember at carnivals where there are those fun houses where you go through and you do all of those silly little things um, just to go down a slide at the end? Yes, I love this air. I love a carnival. Same. Well, when we think about those fun houses, there's always those levels with like the mirrors where you look at yourself and you're like really thin or really round or like warped in some way. Yeah. Yeah. So those mirrors are kind of like a metaphor um, in a way for body dysmorphia so like Mm. a person who has been diagnosed with body dysmorphia might look in a mirror and literally see that even if it were just a normal mirror Mm. um so again it's that very like warped perception of um what you look like and it's you know long lasting and again causes those um, overwhelming feelings of shame or embarrassment uh, about parts of your body so Again, body image dissatisfaction is 
typically just looking in the mirror and being unhappy with what you see and maybe responding negatively to that. Whereas body dysmorphia would be looking in the mirror and literally seeing something that's not fair um, and then obsessing over that over um, you know an extended period of time, ultimately impacting your daily life and your quality of life. <laughs> so on that last piece um, with things that could impact your daily life, it can look like a lot of things, including depression and anxiety to actual behaviors like calorie counting, to adaptive social behaviors like crossing your arms a certain way or sitting in different positions to hide something about yourself. And it can even lead to drastic things like plastic surgery, if you do become you know, super obsessed with uh, part of your body. Now, knowing the how these two are distinguished, Lex, I'm curious, what percent of the general population in the US do you think suffers from body dysmorphic disorder? I feel like I always get these significantly wrong (laughs) (laughs) um i know that body dissatisfaction rates are pretty high but knowing that this is a step further i think it's probably still significant but certainly lower so i think i would guess i think i would guess two percent of the population oh my god you hit the nail on the head oh finally Talk about a (laughs) twist in the narrative with Lexi getting her stats right. So yeah, exactly. um, You know, right around 2% of people in the United States, the general population suffer from body dysmorphic disorder, which totals somewhere between five and 10 million people. Oh my gosh. I feel like hearing the 2% is staggering, but then hearing the 10 million, like five to 10 million we'd be talking about like basically the entire size entirety of new york city (gasps) what new york is a little over eight million people so like it would fall within that range oh my gosh that's crazy yeah last week we were talking about how when it comes to body image issues we often see higher rates in marginalized groups like women people of color uh, people who are queer etc. But interestingly enough, with body dysmorphic disorder, the split is actually even among men and women. And all of those um, initial feelings around body dysmorphic disorder typically start around puberty, but the rates stay the same throughout every age group. Wow. I really appreciate you sharing that because I feel like that's important to know. And also, I feel like it all comes back to puberty. Like, <laughs> like everything starts, puberty sucks. And life just gets harder afterwards. So, thanks, puberty. Yeah, thanks, puberty. I've been watching. Have, you haven't seen Big Mouth, have you? I haven't, but I don't like it. I do. I am a fan of the show. And I think part of it is because it kind of displays like all of that in a way. Like, the hormone monsters get introduced like when the characters are going through puberty and it you just see how like much it affects their lives and yeah maybe all roads lead to capitalism and or puberty oh love that we'll, we'll adjust for the future yeah <laughs> so last week we talked about 
my behaviors around my body image, but I didn't get into a lot of the specifics and how I was actually diagnosed with body dysmorphia. Um, I didn't really get into detail about how it really affected my life. So I want to take some time this week to share about my experience as well as what my therapist told me in regards to this. So a lot of you know from the last episode that I, in college, lost quite a bit of weight. And when I say quite a bit of weight, I mean about 60 pounds within a year. So lots of drastic change happened in my life very quickly. But as a result of this, one of the things that I became kind of overly obsessed with was the the look and the shape um, of my stomach. I was constantly checking the mirror, obsessed with the shape and the look of my stomach. And my brain was not processing the fact that I was losing the, the weight that I had changed my body shape that I, you know, looked pretty different than what I had before. So all of that uh, was warping the perception that I had of myself, and I was obsessing over um, this one particular part of my body. I was still calorie counting. It was becoming more and more severe. I was measuring the smallest of things, like if the serving size on the cereal box said half a cup, and with three quarters of a cup of milk, I was counting all of that out yeah. um, to be sure that I would knew how much I was intaking. Mm. This also led me to sitting a certain way in public. So I would often find myself sitting with my arms crossed in front of me or maybe standing in front of me directly across um, across my stomach. I was also wearing clothes that were bigger and baggier to help me cover it up. And again, my brain just wasn't processing the fact that my body had in fact changed. Um, I was still seeing myself as someone different in the mirror. And I was telling Lexi this story about how when we go out to restaurants, I typically prefer to sit in the booth side. And for the longest time, I thought that it was just natural for me. I was like, oh, maybe my parents always pick the booth side. But then uh, I have my fiance, Andrew, actually called out my behavior a couple of times. Um, he would notice that I was you know, always leaning into the booth like right about chest level. And it was horrible for my posture, but <laughs> it was like my you know way of sitting. Uh, he noticed that there were a couple of times we were standing in social events and I was crossing my arms directly over my stomach. And so when he started calling these behaviors out, I was like, oh, maybe I need to talk about it in therapy. And so as I started talking about it and, and telling my therapist about how much I was obsessed over the way my stomach looked and the behaviors that came along with it, uh, that's when we started having the conversation about body dysmorphia versus just body, body image dissatisfaction. And all of that to say, again, it was this drastic change that happened in my life very quickly because I was obsessing over this one part of my body. Uh, there were many a nights that I would, you know, be very upset, like very emotional about the way I looked um, and couldn't process the fact that my body had in fact changed. Uh, again, still counting those calories and 
wearing certain clothes and, and doing things in public um, or in social settings that I felt would adapt. And so that way people couldn't notice what my style looked like. And so all of that, you know, came up in therapy for me um, and was able to, to talk about it with my therapist and work on it over time. Hmm. Lane, can I ask you a question? Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned that you had specific behaviors and actions when you were out in social settings and that you didn't really notice some of these things until your partner called them out for you. What did you feel like was triggering some of these thoughts in your brain or like why do you think it was happening when it was happening? Oh, this is a good question. I really think that oftentimes my adaptations to the environment that I was in was directly tied to the body image issues that I had that were directly correlated with that dysmorphia, you know? So if I was in a room uh, full of people and I'm like, oh, these people are objectively attractive, you know, like thinking like that. And I would be like, oh, I am not as thin as this other person, you know, that's one of our friends, or I'm, you know, not as muscular as this other person. It, it didn't even necessarily have to be of, you know, specific body size or shape, but I would be like co constantly comparing myself to other people. And I think any time that I was social with other people that I thought that for just half a second, they could be thinking about it. That yeah. was, you know, typically my trigger. It was not necessarily something that was environmental or social or that I could blame the people around me for. It was just truly something that lied internally. Um, that one little thought would always, you know, spiral um, for me. I will also say that any social setting that I ever had to be in where clothing had to be revealing or I would have to like take my shirt off like if we were going swimming or something like that absolutely one of my triggers yeah I find the the part about it being internal to be specifically interesting because I feel like this was something that as a close friend I watched happen so while you were making this choice to actively lose this weight I feel like a lot of people in our lives were complimenting you because, you know, there's a lot of standards of beauty, less weight mm -hmm. means you're healthier and all these things, which are all interconnected and we could talk about them forever. But people were telling you that you looked great, but your mind wouldn't let you believe those things to be true. It was like, no matter how many compliments people in the world gave you, it would not have been enough because your mind was tricking you in that moment. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a really great point to bring up. It internally was something that I couldn't convince myself of. Every time I looked in the mirror, I still saw that old version of Lane. And, you know, you were there cheering me on, you know, you were like, oh, you look great. And I was, you know, in environments where people were naturally associating my loss of weight with like a better look for me. And even with, with that external affirmation, it never changed my perception of who I was until I started working on it in therapy. 
Yeah, well, tell us more about that. What did your therapist tell you? The things that my therapist told me are, you know, echoing basically kind of what I said last week. So to start, think of yourself as a whole person beyond your physical self. You have emotions and spirituality and a mental well-being to think about. You have skills and interests and talents. And once you start appreciating the entirety of yourself, for me, I stopped focusing on that one part in the mirror. I was able to see myself for so many other things. Um, and one of the best practices that I had for that was, was journaling for quite some time. So when I could write down the things that I accomplished throughout my day that I was proud of, you know, or things that I was looking forward to um, about myself that were going on in my life, I was able to stop fixating on one thing and think about myself more holistically. I love that. I think it's so hard not to get caught up in one piece of ourselves that feels like it's struggling. So sometimes just the reminder that you are so much more than that can make a big difference. Yeah, absolutely. And Lex, I know you talk about it in our chronic health episode, but thinking about everything that our body does for us, you know, whether sometimes it does maybe struggle sometime. It do be hurting. Our tummies do be hurting. <laughs> and they do, you know, and that's part of life and part of the the issues that we deal with but you know our body does so much for us yeah. you know my favorite thing is like now I've slowly learned to appreciate my hips which is like weird but like I have hips okay for a man especially and guess what like they don't lie so I'm learning to like appreciate it versus yeah. like looking in the mirror and being upset about it yeah oh we love a man with hips such a good such a good characteristic yeah <laughs> I'm sure that well for any of the non-straight men out there I'm certain that hips are the first thing that <laughs> any person interested in a man will look at you know yeah I mean I think that's natural yeah <laughs> it makes sense uh, <laughs> the last thing that my therapist and I talked about was how you know this body dysmorphia these body image issues all of this together was directly tied with some of the other trauma that I held mm -hmm. so what I mean by that is the version of Lane that I was before i I chose to lose weight, um, was the person that my, you know, parents adored. My therapist and I were able to kind of like untangle that mess and like see it for what it was. There were multiple streams um, of, of trauma all happening at once. And I was able to work through them. But, you know, over weeks and weeks and weeks of talking about these issues and finding ways that I could love myself and appreciate my wholeness as a person. I was able to to work through it. Yeah. Wow. That sounds really hard. And also is a common theme of a lot of what we talk about on the show, that it's rarely just one piece that you're trying to work through, but many layers on top of each other. So thank you for sharing that. And I'm curious, do you feel like this is something that you still 
are actively battling day to day? Or do you feel like through that work, it's maybe something that still pops up every now and then, because I imagine it doesn't ever go away completely, but is more manageable for you maybe? I'm sure that it's never fully going away. I have a few friends who have also been through similar experiences and we kind of laugh about it at this point together because there are moments that it does happen, you know, but I do think that by going to your therapy and talking about these issues and, and kind of seeing everything for where it is at its core, I'm able to battle it a little easier. So now when I can pick up on my own behaviors and yeah. so I notice myself when I'm starting to cross my arms and I like actively stop myself or when I go to, you know, if I, if I skip the gym in the morning and I'm going to make lunch or, you know, make dinner rather than even thinking about looking at calories or anything like that. I just actively choose to ignore it. And don't get me wrong. There's some intrusive thoughts. Okay. Like yeah, that I have strong urges to look at, you know, things like calories or to, to think certain ways, but I just kind of remind myself of that wholeness. Like that first tip I shared, you know, yeah. that it's okay to skip the gym for a day. You know, I was able to record a podcast with my best friend today. And like, that <laughs> means something, you know, beyond whatever number exists on this little box here. Now that I've dumped everything out about body dysmorphia. <laughs> Lex, do you have any takeaways from today's episode? Yeah, I mean, as always, I think I see this at the end of every episode, but I appreciate you sharing. I think that it's hard to fully understand body dysmorphia and the way that it works in someone's brain when you haven't experienced it firsthand. I feel like Without talking to you, I wouldn't have known how intrusive it was or what sorts of ways it presented in your body or your brain. And so I just appreciate you bringing light to that. I think that's very important. And I'm sorry that that's still something that you will probably have to continue navigating for most of your life. And I know there are specific seasons that it would probably be more challenging than other times. I'm thinking specifically about how you're getting married soon and knowing that on that day you'll be front and center of attention. I can only imagine, you know, that that's something you've already thought about is what you're going to look like in front of all those people. So I'm sure that there are seasons where it sort of ebbs and flows, but just know that I'm, I'm here with you through it all. I appreciate that. Yeah, wedding season is going to be tough and I think it naturally is for everyone because yeah. we see people like having to fit into their dress or to their yes. tux or yes. whatever they're wearing yeah. so yeah that'll be an, that'll be an interesting challenge but I know that you'll be by my side so thank you and I know that you'll get through it so look at that no issue oh, look at that <laughs> <laughs> it's done toxic positivity my favorite tree <laughs> <laughs> who would have thought not me <laughs> <laughs> well uh, thank you for sharing Liam is there anything that you you want to say as a last thing to the people I think the last thing that I want to say is you should go to therapy agreed I second that all those in favor say aye
Um, Hi. <laughs> I was trying to time it with you, but it really wasn't going to work. So, well, it happens. All those opposed, stop listening to the pod. You're in the wrong place, clearly. So, <laughs> we'll see y'all soon. See you soon. Thank <laughs> you.